Welcome to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows. And on this episode, a very special Twitter Spaces episode, we're going over night two of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Best of the Super Junior 30. This tournament is going to be running all month long. It started yesterday on May 12th, and it's going to end around May 28th-ish. That's when the finals are going to be held. Why they're squishing it in one month, I have no idea. But we're going to try every single day to have a Twitter space to talk about and recap Best of the Super Juniors because I am challenging myself. One thing I have tweeted out, if you guys don't follow me already on Twitter, you probably should, where I have a lot of wrestling stuff. But yeah, you know, friendly, you know, encouragement, you should follow me. I did tweet out saying that I need to challenge myself more, and I guess this is one of the ways that I'm doing it. Normally, I will be streaming this on kick.com forward slash Marie Shadows to talk about um, professional wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling and basically dive into the passion that I have for wrestling. But I miss talking to all of you guys. I miss doing a Twitter spaces where I get to talk with friends that have, you know, we have become friends through Twitter spaces back in the day in a year that we don't really talk about. Because 2020 sometimes doesn't exist, but it it exists. But you get the idea, right? So that's like a long intro. So this is a wonderful Twitter space exclusive episode of the Square Circle Podcast recapping uh, Best of the Super Juniors. Like I said, this is night two. So this is May 13, 2023. They were at Nagano Prefecture Budokan. And I can tell you right now that that crowd was not as hype as Kirk and Hall. There's just a difference between the crowds that New Japan goes to around Japan. And sometimes this is what fans out there don't understand when it comes to Japanese wrestling because they don't take the time to actually sit down, learn, and understand that with each place that New Japan travels to, there are different crowds. Different crowds do different reactions to the wrestlers to what they see. However, even though the fans at Nagano were not as very loud as Kirk and Hall, when you're at Kirk and Hall, you feel like a rock star. But when you're over at Nagano, it's still a professional level of reacting to the wrestlers. I will say that when House of Torture is around, the fans do give an earful to House of Torture whenever they're around. And when I say an earful, I mean like booing them. Like really, you can hear their disdain for all of the acts that um, House of Torture does, that people are so tired of and just really don't want to deal with House of Torture. I was explaining this yesterday on the first time that I... Uh, I'm talking about Best of the Super Juniors, that House of Torture is a household name. They're really good as a team. They have a really great establishment, and everyone in that team are very great on their own. Individually, they're great. Bringing them all together and doing all the shenanigans is what people tend to get upset about and what people get frustrated about. And I understand like the concerns of like what House of Torture does and to me, when you're like really overwhelmed and overexposed about like House of Torture uh, antics, you sort of get like, all right, that's enough House of Torture. Like I don't need to see them every time. But, you know, because they still get a reaction either way and because they still sell merchandise and people cosplay as House of Torture 
um, individuals and they support, you know, show mainly and they support evil too, but you know, they're, they're over, you know, um, I would like house of torture to have a redirection and a fresh new sort of identity. Um, they could still do like their cheating stuff, but at the end of the day, they have like really great athletes and wrestlers that can tell really good stories. So as I say all this, I'm trying to paint the picture of that every single place that New Japan goes to have these shows, uh, the crowd is different in each and every one of them. No crowd is alike, I can tell you that. Kirk and Hall makes you feel like a rock star, like I said. And in Nagano, there is a like a professionalism to the reaction. And then other places is just completely silent with just clapping, even though all of Japan has, um, you know, lifted all the restrictions that they have previously put in place. But yeah, fans are completely different on like depending on where you go. So again, uh, the rules for Best of the Super Juniors goes as follows. This is a tournament style, a uh, single uh, matches from Block A and Block B. Because it's just Best of the Super Juniors, there are no extra matches there, no different matches. So you're not going to see, like, you know, Naito versus, like, somebody else. You're going to see, like, all Super Junior stuff. So the rules goes as follows. If somebody can get a pinfall or a submission, they are awarded two points. If someone gets a countout, they are awarded one point. And if it goes to a DQ or a no contest, they get zero points. For night two, nothing shocking happened. So it's not like night one where I had to start from the end and work my way all the way to the beginning of the show because night one, a quick surprising, well, shocker, not really surprising, uh, Recap of night one, just the shocking part of Mike Bailey defeating Hiromu in the main event of the opening night. That was a shocker. So that's why I started from the main event going all the way to the beginning of the show. Night two wasn't so much shocking, but there were some surprises, some really, you know, nice surprises. So uh, we'll go with this is a surprise sort of show and... um matchups and winners and losers just to throw that in there because that's what my brain you know thought about um so i will be going from the beginning of the show all the way to the end of the show all right we start off with a block we have tjp versus kushida this was a really good match tjp is really good kushida is really good and like i said in the previous Twitter space that um, WWE didn't know what to do with Kushida. Kushida has like a whole new confidence and he commands the ring very, very well. He really does. He uses a lot of his judo moves, a lot of his mat wrestling skills and TJP can just match all of that with like the best of them. And by the way, I consider TJP to be the ancient wrestler of professional wrestling. Like, he's ancient. He's been through so many different generations that it's like, sir, you might have found a fountain of youth. Like, you know, one doesn't age, two always gets better and definitely has a good mind when it comes to um, 
breaking down matches, talking about matches, uh, because after this match, later on in the show, he was a guest commentator along with Kevin Kelly, and I'm just going to sing praises about TJP a little bit later because of his commentary skills. Like, really nice. So, like I said, a lot of chain wrestling, technical uh, issues. Issues? Sorry, I am reading from my notes. Technical genius. That's what I wrote. I wrote technical genius rather than technical issues. Yes, I need TJP and Kushida to help me with some technical issues. No, they are both technical geniuses when it comes to their opening match. It was definitely a defensive stalemate between the two because no matter what anyone did, they had an answer and a counter for something, and they couldn't quite get, you know, um, a weakness going or, you know, find um, an inside to try to one-up the other wrestler. When in doubt, TJP does go back to his leg and shoulder, like, pop sort of move that he does where he just snaps on the arm sometimes or, like, snap on, like, the leg as his knee is right in the small of your back. So, you know, when in doubt, TJP does some snapping of the limbs. And, you know, TJP was definitely uh, going for Kushida's legs. And then after TJP decides to, like, snap the limbs of Kushida, he puts in his Muda lock. However, Kushida manages to get a rope break. And... While Kushida is using the ropes, Kushida uh, puts on his own submission on the TJP. TJP does an amazing... Oh, no. I was getting too far ahead. Uh, I was going to say that that submission on the ropes that Kushida had TJP on was... Uh... My mistake. My notes are so, so messy. Um. Kushida has TJP in a Cobra Twist. Guys, I, I swear I am a professional. I know what I'm doing. I swear I am. There is a hip toss, cartwheel, and dropkick to TJP that Kushida does. Most of the time when wrestlers do combinations, I really do enjoy uh, when wrestlers do combinations and they're known for it. What I also like is innovative stuff. So... There is a hammerlock cradle pin. That thing looks amazing. And I like little details. I really do. Luckily, TJP kicked out. After switching between the two for, like, multiple submissions to see who can submit who, TJP finally got Kushida into an inside package pin and sealed the deal to get two points in this match. So TJP wins against Kushida because, like I keep saying on all of my podcast episodes, that roll-ups, any combination or type of pinfalls, and the drop toe ho, drop toe hold, are your best friends in professional wrestling because nobody will see it coming. Nobody at all. It sometimes throws
Block B had Dan Maloney versus Yoshinobu Kanamaru. Now, if you guys are wondering why sometimes I only stick to a particular name when given, like when talking about Japanese wrestlers, it's because my pronunciation for Japanese names are not the best. So if I know that I can correctly say one part of the name, like either maybe the first or the last name, you know, I usually stick with that. That's why I usually say like Okada and not his full name because my brain is just like doesn't understand how to pronounce it. If anybody was just wondering like why I stick to certain um, either first or last names for Japanese wrestlers. I'm learning, but my brain is like, it doesn't sound right. I don't know what to do. My brain just hesitates. And it's the same way of like me talking in Spanish or, you know, trying to relearn Italian and stuff. So it just happens. So I noticed that like whenever New Japan puts somebody new with Yoshinobu, it feels like he is the OG veteran teacher of New Japan Pro Wrestling and wrestlers. Like an indirect teacher. Like you could feel that this guy will teach you all that you need to know in a single match with him. And that's what I think happens with like Dan Maloney wrestling Yoshinobu and last year's Best of Super Junior when Alex Zane fought Yoshinobu as well, there's that, like, awkwardness to it. This match of Dan Maloney versus Yoshinobu was not awkward at all. It was more, like, very slow, and it felt like Yoshinobu teaching Dan not how to be a wrestler or anything like that, but just to teach him, like, slow it down maybe a little bit, or like, you know, maybe we'll do some chops, but if you're going to do chops, um, Yoshinobu's going to take out the leg, because for some reason, Yoshinobu has been attacking the legs of wrestlers, which is not some reason. It's because he's going to set up for the figure four leg lock, which he did do for Dan Maloney during this match that he set up the figure four leg lock after, you know, attacking the knee over and over again. So in this match, we do start out with like a test of strength, some shoulder blocks, some chops, a very nice snap suplex that Dan Maloney had like a wide base for. It looked kind of weird, but at the same time, he wanted to make sure that he can get Yoshinobu, you know, all the way through for that snap suplex. Goes for a pin. Yoshinobu kicks out. Yoshinobu is a little bit more resilient uh, than that. We had a sunset flip attempt, but Dan does a double stomp to uh, Yoshinobu, tries to go for a pin. Yoshinobu's like, nah, man, we're not going to do that right now. And once Yoshinobu gets that momentum going of attacking a wrestler's knee, you have to play it smart at this point. You know, of course, trying to get away from Yoshinobu while you're like on one leg is not ideal. But in order to counter, that so that way you know you could give your knee some time to rest you're gonna have to work on some ground game and this isn't like a knock to dan because dan is very very heavy-handed he has a lot of strength he has a lot of good qualities 
this is the second match, and I'm still interested in his story. I'm still interested in his background because, again, I'm waiting for Tuesday to come around so that way on Tuesday we could do Tape Study Tuesday and we could watch his matches. So for anybody that tunes in later to hear this, uh, please draw me some suggestions for um, Dan Maloney matches so I can get a better idea at, like, what he does. Um, and again, just a quick reminder that Dan Maloney dropped weight to be in the best of the Super Juniors. So he's 195 pounds, and he still moves like a heavyweight. I don't think he cut that much down, but the way he moves and presents himself is definitely a heavyweight that can also match a junior weight, which is kind of scary in a way to think about. So like I said, the way that this match ends up, because again, if you attack the knee, you attack a body part, work a whole kid, uh, you end up getting the victory because Yoshinobu worked so much on Dan's knee. He puts on the figure four and Dan basically taps out. This gives Yoshinobu his two points in Best of the Super Juniors. Now we go to Block A. Block A had Leo Rush versus Taguchi. Taguchi is being serious in Best of the Super Juniors. He is not being comedic, ladies and gentlemen. So this is a breath of fresh air, and I really do enjoy um, Taguchi now being a serious wrestler. And to take on the likes of Leo Rush... Um, was a very this was a very good fun match. Leo Rush is way too fast. He might be the fastest wrestler in professional wrestling, and Taguchi didn't know what to do with it. But Taguchi could always rely on his hip attack, so he basically had to hip attack Leo so that way Leo could slow the fuck down and Taguchi could get some type of offense in. This match was really good back and forth with counters and quick counters as well. I'm trying to think of like another way to describe it other than like just counters. Basically, it felt like even though this might have been the first time that they wrestled, they understand the name of the game and they both knew what to expect. Leah Rush did say in his backstage comments that you know, he wants to face the Taguchi that he grew up seeing. So, obviously, Leo Rush studied Taguchi. And then Taguchi is such a veteran that, like, he can really match the wrestlers that go, you know, and fight with him in the ring. Towards the end, it gets a little... I don't... Why is my brain thinking of the word spicy? That's not what I wanted to say, but, like... It gets really good towards the end of having, you know, Taguchi dodging a hip attack on Leo and then Leo coming in with his own hip attack and then having like an inside cradle. Uh, you know, one of them almost getting the one, two, three, and then Leo coming in with his stunner that he does from the bottom rope. And then we have the final hour splash that Leo Rush does to Taguchi. And Taguchi unfortunately loses this match, and Leah Rush gets two points for himself in Block A for this match. 
Now we move on to block B. Clark Connors versus Robbie Eagles. I gave a lot of praise to Clark Connors in the first recorded sessions of talking about Best of the Super Juniors, the opening night on May 12th. And then I also gave some praise to Robbie Eagles and told you guys that Robbie Eagles is not playing around this time ever since joining TMDK. I should say it like that. Ever since joining TMDK, he's not playing around. The other times that I got to watch Robbie Eagles, he never really plays around. He's a very good wrestler. He's a very good expert at what he does. He's a very good expert at what he does. Well, yeah, he's an expert. He's very good at what he does. He's an expert at what he does. And this match, this match is where we get like a different Robbie Eagles and Clark Connors being just a little too cocky, just a little too cocky. So, Robbie Eagle starts off with his rally chant of the Robbie, 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 oi, 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 rally chant, right? However, the second rally chant, he ends up doing a dropkick to Clark, and that just starts Robbie's momentum, his advantage in this match, which is, you know, you hit hard and go quick and Make sure that you take your opponent off their game because sometimes they have a game plan and they stick to it. But for most of the time, um, they basically might have to change up if you're the first person to attack, right? So we get a lot of, like, kicks and chops from Robbie. And Robbie was super quick to do the Ron Miller special on Clark Connors. Very quick. Like, the bell rang, we had the rally cry, and then all of a sudden, Robbie attacks, and then, bam, Ron Miller special. Clark Connors managed to get to the ropes because he is not going to tap out, like, less than a minute in the match. Like, nah, that's not going to be very good. I don't think David Finley would approve. So, after Clark gets to the ropes for a rope break, Clark manages to block Robbie's other attack, give him a lariat, and then a very beautiful deadlift German. Robbie rolls to the outside because every wrestler knows that if you roll to the outside, you create some space. Hopefully, your opponent does not follow you, but that does not carry on here to where Clark follows Robbie to the outside and uses the outside to his advantage. I had said yesterday on the other recording that Bullet Club is back. Bullet Club is using Bullet Club tactics. And if you guys are new to my phrase of Bullet Club tactics, it basically got coined when Jay White was still the leader. By the way, I don't even think Jay White is still the leader of Bullet Club. Like, we got to have a panel talk about this whole shit. Like, we really do. To, like, get down to, you know, the truth about Bullet Club. Because I have a lot of questions. Anyway, Bullet Club Tactics refers to when Jay White will always say you'll breathe with the switchblade. And every time he fought an opponent, he will have them on the outside. The opponent will go after Jay White. That is what Jay White wants the opponent to do. And so when Jay White will throw his opponent back first into the apron or chest first into the guardrail, 
you're basically expelling a lot more air out of your body and out of your lungs. So therefore you are breathing with him. He is controlling the match. He's, he's controlling the pace of the match. You're basically working the match as he sees fit because he is in control at the moment. So he will use the event, the outside to his advantage in order to get the bullet club tactics. So that is what like, you know, I coined bullet club tactics. Thanks to Jay White. Cause he kept using the outside and this is what Clark was doing in his match with Robbie using the outside. Once Clark got to the outside, he basically suplexed Robbie onto the floor. And then I think he did it again. I'm trying to read through my notes here as I'm like telling you what happened. Clark does manage to get a full Nelson on Robbie Eagles. And then Robbie Eagles does a short snap suplex on Clark. It doesn't get, like, the full effect, but at least, like, it gives both of them some time to breathe and rethink. Robbie pulls out all the stops on Clark, but Clark is just like, nah, I'm kicking out of everything that you do. Clark comes in with two spears. And by the way, his spears are a little bit different. I believe that they look more like football spears. But they are a thing of beauty if you ever, like, get to see them. Now, this is where a surprise sort of happens. Because, like I mentioned, that, like, Clark was a little too cocky in this one. So Clark gets ready to do his finisher, which his finisher is named No Chaser, which, by the way, I think that might be like a reference to like drinking and alcohol. Since it's like 100% proof, it has to be like in relation to that. But seriously, sometimes I don't know where people come up with their names for their finishers that like, I don't know. I guess the No Finisher, I'm sorry, the No Finisher, that's that's so wrong. Um, if Clark ever listens to this, like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mean it that way. But you know, for to name a move, the no chaser. Like, I think that would have to grow on me because that's not, I don't know, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Like, here comes Clark doing, you know, his finisher, no chaser. Like, I have no idea. But then again, you know, I'm not part of the culture that drinks and and drinks but then again i could be wrong if that's like not part of that because you know his nickname is 100 percent well 100 proof and 100 proof alcohol you know that's not a very good thing even though an advertisement popped up yesterday that jack daniels now has 100 proof whiskey and i was like look i know that ads track us. I know that cookies are everywhere in our technology and it's right at our fingertips, but that was like a coincidence to see that ad of 100 Proof Jack Daniels Whiskey and then all of a sudden Clark Connors is like, yeah, my nickname is 100 Proof and I have a finisher called No Chaser. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, someone explain to me or let me know that if No Chaser is part of like an alcohol thing. Yeah. So, like I said, Clark is trying to do his finisher. No chaser. 
I feel like there's a stupid joke written with this, but I don't know. Because my jokes are kind of weird. So, like, I don't know if there is a joke somewhere written in this. Anyway, so Robbie Eagles basically does this little small weak slap to Clark. That's meant to basically embarrass and somewhat enrage Clark. And that allow for Clark to misthink. I just I just made up that word. Uh, basically, he wasn't thinking what he did next. So Robbie Eagles took advantage of that, of Clark not thinking clearly, and got him in a very tight clutch pin to get a surprise victory. So Robbie Eagles got the victory over Clark Connors because he was, I was going to say playing with him, but he really, I don't know. Um, Clark took the bait once he slapped him. That's a better way of saying that. So Robbie Eagles gets two points in his block B match with Clark Connors. Clark was a little too, a little too cocky. He thought he had this one in the bag, but no. That's not the case. Now we move on to block A. Block A had... Show from House of Torture versus Mike Bailey. This is a very interesting match. This is where in the beginning for part one of this recording session, I was really talking heavily about House of Torture and how the fans over here in Nagano were basically displeased that um, House of Torture was there. Every time House of Torture did something drastic, um, you know, they would definitely uh, voice their disapprovement of evil and show. And, you know, um, I can definitely say that all of their antics did not work out, okay? So all of their antics did not work out. However, it was a very nice match. It basically proved that, you know, Mike Bailey can definitely take care of himself on his own when it's two against one. So this match starts off with, during Mike Bailey's entrance, Show decides to run up the aisle and attack him with a chair and use the chair to basically try to destroy Mike Bailey's foot. That is why wrestlers wear shoes and wrestling shoes, basically. That's why they wear some type of foot protection. So that way, stuff like that won't happen. Now, I do understand why wrestlers would want to go barefoot. You get a better grip of the floor and, and the mat when you are barefooted. Um, sometimes it's a little too, um, not difficult, but it might be annoying, but wrestlers are just used to it to have wrestling boots. Um, it's there to protect you know your feet. But depending on who you're talking to, uh, some wrestlers would be like, yeah, when I didn't wear any boots, you know, they had a lot more grip. Sometimes when they do wear boots and, like, socks, it becomes, like, a whole nother challenge. But we're all used to wearing some form of uh, foot foot protection. Some type of, like, shoe. We're all used to wearing it. Um, so, yeah, like I said, show decided to use the chair on my baby's foot. There is this fake out that Mike Bailey does and ends up kicking show. There's a swing and a miss from 
show and then those rapid fire kicks that Bailey does. And then of course, evil interference. Of course, evil is always gonna come in and protect his boys. And like I said, the crowd was definitely, definitely um, you know, disdained for that. We get some chops by Bailey. Show goes back to that foot. The whole entire time Show was working on the foot of Bailey so that way he uh, you know, his base for um, you know, kicking gets destroyed and there's like no uh real strength behind anything. Bailey does a really good looking missile drop kick to show. And then Bailey takes out Evil, which is surprising because most people have a hard time taking out Evil. And then show, I'm mean, not show. Uh Bailey goes for that second rope moonsault, which is amazing in itself. We get a really huge lariat by show, an attempted pin, but Mike Bailey is like, no, we're not gonna have it end this way. Show ends up doing a cross arm power driver to Bailey, but Bailey kicks out. Show uh show again goes after Bailey's foot and then pushes Bailey into the referee. There's always a referee bump whenever there's house of torture around. House of torture and or bullet club like and other uh teams too, but mainly if you're house of torture, um you have to have a ref bump in you know the match. I wonder if they signed their contract. And it says in the fine print, you get X amount of ref bumps in your match. Like, I wonder if that's true. That, I mean, I just made that up. But, you know, that'd be funny if it's true that if they sign something and be like, ref bump in your match. If you are House of Torture and or Bullet Club. So as Show pushes Bailey into the referee, Show goes and gets the wrench like he always does. And basically uses it on Bailey's foot. And then has... And then Bailey managed to get Show into like this deep cradle pin. But Evil is like, oh, I'm 100% now, guys. And, you know, basically drags out the rough. Because why not? It's a house of torture rules. They could do whatever the hell they want. So, Show thinks that he has the advantage right now because Bailey is like, ow, my foot. But Bailey does the crane technique to Show. Show is like, what is this? He really looked like, he really looked like a a deer in uh, the headlights uh, by, you know, just looking at him and being like, Bailey, what are you doing? Yo, what up, King Reezy? Hello? Can you hear me? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, dude. Oh, that's crazy. It still says listener on my side. Oh, it might take a while, but it says speaker. I can hear you. Uh, okay, okay. That's good. I'm just listening. I just finished watching um the Super Juniors. Ah, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm up to, well, I'm about to end this one. Well, not no, uh, not this face, but this match I'm talking about before I go into the next one. But, okay. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, uh, as 
as I was saying, that um, Mike Bailey does the crane technique. Show stood there uh, like a deer in headlights, like, what is this? And then, you know, he gets kicked. Um, and then Bailey ends up going to the top rope, does the ultimate weapon, which is that, I guess, it's not really like a 450 knees, like, splash thing, but he comes down on his opponent uh, knees first and then gets the one, two, three on show, and Mike Bailey gets two points, um, which is a total of four right now um, in, like, the leaderboard, if we want. Yeah, it's the leaderboard. So it's a total of four points. And this is just him on his debut in New Japan. Uh, well, well, debuted in, J- in New Japan, but, like, he's been in Japan before, but, like, debut wrestler. Um, did you, uh, Keen Reezy, did you happen to watch today's, um, New J- uh, Best of Super Juniors? That's what I was talking about. Cool. Uh, do you want to give any thoughts on, on, uh, show and House of Torture and Bailey? Ah, <laughs> uh, so, show lost. Right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, he didn't look so happy, you know, I, I feel bad for show. A little bit. Um, but I think he'll get better. I mean, keep him with Leo Rush. Those two were awesome together. I don't, I don't know if they're still tagging, but those two. Oh, you mean uh, you mean Yo and Leo, yeah. uh, Leo Rush yeah. tagging? We're talking, about, we're talking about Show and uh, and House of Torture. Yeah, so Show and House of Torture. I didn't care. Hold up. I, I caught House of Torture beating up Bailey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about yeah, that. I'm yeah. asking for your thoughts. I didn't like sort that. Of accusation. I didn't like that. I'm not a oh. House of Torture fan. I, I want to like House of Torture, but I didn't like how they beat up my guy, Mike Bailey. I think this is going to turn into something where Mike Bailey might join Chaos. He or somebody. He, he, I think he's going to find a group of people to join and they're going to help him with House of Torture. Because I think House of Torture... Um, I don't think that's the end of it. You know, I want to say that's true because, like, you know, sometimes when House of Torture does these things where they're always, like, interfering in, like, you know, whatever match they have, it does feel like it's supposed to set up for something bigger. And that's, like, you know, adding Mike Bailey to this conversation, but, like, other people that they've, you know, always uh, battled and shit, like... Hmm, let's see. Mike Bailey joining Chaos. That would be that would be pretty interesting. It'll be interesting. Okada would be like, I don't know, man. I don't I don't know what Okada would be like, but uh, Okada would be like, sure, because you know Okada's supposed to be the leader of Chaos. But yeah, I mean, Chaos doesn't like House of Torture, so nobody likes House of Torture. Right? Nobody likes House of Torture. Except for except for Bullet Club, because Bullet Club has to deal with them, which is like, what? <laughs> which oh is my strange. God. Yeah, I still think like we talked about, you know, yesterday. It's still strange. I just feel like it's time for House of Torture to kind of be their own, to separate yeah, from man. Bullet Club. And I feel it's coming. I do feel it's coming. I just don't know when, because I've been saying this for over a year, and it hasn't happened yet. But I feel I like. Know. I feel like either Bullet Club's gonna turn or House of Torture's gonna turn. <clears throat> yeah, man, I'm waiting for that day too. Cause they um, be fighting sometimes, man. They they don't get along. 
House, they don't. No, they don't get along. You know, but House of Torture never really reps the Bullet Club. Sometimes yeah, they'll throw up the two sweet, but they rarely do. Yeah, it's so it's so weird, man. Like, um, you know, uh, before I get into uh my next uh well the next match um for Block B, I do want to mention that some of the things that uh TJP was saying on commentary because man, he was so good on commentary. Like, I'm just like I love listening to this guy. Uh, he joked around saying that saying to Kevin Kelly that hey, do you think that Bullet Club has like an office where David Finley sits in the office and um, you know, people wait to get like a performance review similar to how Beetlejuice has like, you know, that office in the movie? Oh yeah, yeah, I remember and that. I, and I was like, yo, now that I'm thinking about it because he mentioned it, I'm like that's not far off, especially if Finley is like, yeah, this is my bullet club now. And, you know, I only require savages and killers. Like, you can think that this dude, like, just reviews things in his head and be like, yeah, that guy got to go. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's it's so fun. Um, some other things, too, that I, I said I was going to praise uh, TJ. Um, TJ was, like, super supportive of... Akira versus Kevin Knight, which is the next match in, in B block. Um, and yo, the way that he supports Akira, I'm just like, yo, we, we all need that friend that kind of supports like somebody else, man. Like he, it was just so good to just hear him scream out like, yes, go for it, kid, or, or anything like that. Like that that support is there. Um, yesterday I was talking about how when Akira was facing Master Wado. I was like, that match felt like he was trying to find himself or trying to let people or trying to remind people that, you know, he still got it. Because I do think that after losing a championship title, whatever championship title that might be, and I'm talking about this in general, um, that like there is like an emptiness in someone's heart because it's like you work so long you go through the story you go through the journey bam you become champion and then you hold it on for as long as you can until like somebody comes and it may not be your day and then like you end up losing it there's that sense of like oh shit i no longer have championship gold so that's so that's what i felt like when he was facing wado yesterday to try to prove to people and prove to himself that like you know he still got it um, even though like he he lost uh, his match against Waddle yesterday, but this one against Kevin Knight, it felt really good. It felt like it felt like an Akira match. It felt like you know Akira knew what he had to do. Um, he pulled out some pretty cool moves, and Kevin was still giving it like his all. Like Kevin doesn't um, change and stuff. Uh, give me give me one second. All right, so, um, yeah, uh, you know, Kevin Knight was still doing his thing, and uh, Kevin Knight was, you know, matching Akira. Um, so this match went, like, super quick in the beginning because um, Akira was like, I'm not going to take any prisoners. Like, I'm not going to wait. Does a quick drop kick to, to Kevin. Her Karana takes him on the outside, but, uh, you know, uh, Kevin has managed to, like, counter all of that um, to have to do a plancha to Akira, 
Um, we get like a chop exchange. Um, Akira puts um, Kevin Knight in the trio woe um, and does a sliding drop kick to Kevin, which looked pretty nice. Um, what is this? Oh, um, during commentary, we saw, well, I can't say during commentary, we saw. What I mean is that uh, during commentary, Kevin was asking, Kevin Kelly was asking TJP about the submission that uh, Akira was doing because whenever they train, Akira always wants to learn something new. So to TJ's, I guess, best ability or like my best ability, it was a very unique hammerlock half lotus submission that Akira put on uh, Kevin Knight. And I was like, man, that thing, like it, it looks like it freaking hurts. Like no matter what that someone does, um, uh, then we get like this big backbreaker to Akira by Kevin, a big splash, counters all the time, and Kevin does like this really like really good sky high sit out power bomb where I'm like, man, you know, if anyone has a fear of heights or falling from like you know a good amount of feet, like that's not the move for you. Um, at one point, Kevin does dodge fireball, which is. Akira's running double knees and the double knees like take you out from like the back of the head. Um, there's a bunch of counter pins. Um, there's more attempted pins until we get um, speed fire from Akira, which is this nice twisting sort of not really like a DDT, but it's like one of those uh, type of moves. Um, and then a very, very, very deep cover from Akira. And then you can hear TJP, like, singing his praises of his buddy. Um, and Akira has definitely grown. And I will always put over, like, the United Empire boys. And I'll put over Kevin Knight. Because Kevin Knight, man, like I, like I said before, he has, he has everything. Uh, he's still oh, young. he's good. Yeah. He's still young. Um, and you can see him get better. Um, you know, each time that he's on, like, New Japan programming, whether that is, um, you know, on Strong or, you know, here in Best of Super Juniors and here as a uh, one half of the IWGP Junior Tag Team Championship uh, holders. Uh, give me one second again. Okay. Uh, what do you, what did you think about that match? Oh, I loved it. <laughs> I liked it. I like well, I was enjoying Super Juniors from beginning to end. I think TJP tore it up. I think like yeah. Bailey tore it up. But yeah, but that match in particular right there, I really liked. Um yeah, I, I, I don't want to say but I really liked it. I enjoyed it. All right. Um Oh, yeah, that one gives Akira two points, if I did not say that already. Um, <laughs> oh, Akira has two points. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll go over the leaderboards after I'm done okay, for awesome, one awesome. and two, but because Akira got the pin on Kevin Knight uh, for this match, uh, that gives him two points. Um, next one is is a... I don't know, man. This This match was just very slow. Uh, so it is block A, Taiji Ishimori versus Teton. So you have a very fast luchador wrestler representing CMLL 
in Teton. And then you have, you know, Taiji Ishimori where, you know, he's Bullet Club's, like, muscle guy, even though he wrestles as a super junior, which is kind of weird. Um, even, like, TJP was, uh, you know, explaining on commentary about uh, first meeting, uh, you know, Taiji and then explaining his growth and muscle and stuff like that. And I was just like, that's that's pretty funny. Um, how he like just remembers him from like back in the day, and then all of a sudden, uh, because all he does is uh eat chicken and work out, you know, this is the Ishimori that we have, which I was like, what? <laughs> um, so Teton tries to do very like quick lucha stuff, there's a lot of dodging, uh, because Taiji could probably see this coming a mile away, so like they're in this defensive sort of state of who could one up who um ishimori is like very smart to be like all right man all right i'm at the ropes like you know you got it right um so uh taiji does some uh you know suicide dives um oh no he doesn't do suicide dives my my notes my handwriting is so horrible uh i have that um once taiji goes to the outside and like titan titan uh, follows him to the outside and basically does like a lot of showboating and stuff like that really uh, hinders uh, Teton for Taiji to pick him up and like throw him as a dart into the damn ring post. Now, as you guys know, New Japan Pro Wrestling does not invest in anything that's cushiony. So his shoulder ended up hitting the ring post, uh, Teton's uh, shoulder. And, you know, it just started, you know, from there. Uh, what I do like uh, about this match is uh, TJ yelling from commentary to the referee of like, you didn't see that? That Taiji took out the the turnbuckle? <laughs> like, just yelling at the referee, like, did you, did you not see that? Um, so once that happens, Taiji is sort of like almost in full control of this match. Um, the, the pace really went down like super down. I think that's why I didn't um, you know, like this one like not much. Uh we got a hammerlock uh into uh the ring post again, shoulder first. Like Teton is like, man, my shoulder's gonna be messed up. Um we got a backcracker to Teton. Uh Teton kicks out. Uh we get a DDT, a drop kick, forearm exchanges uh, we get a falcon arrow on Taiji, but Taiji kicks out. Um, and then finally, Taiji ends up doing the La Mystica into the bone lock. And then once uh, uh, once Teton tries to get uh, to the rope, uh, Taiji is all like, nah, man, I'm going to roll you back into the middle of the ring. Uh, and then Teton uh, taps out, and that gives Taiji Ishimori two points in Best of the Super Juniors. But this match was, like, really off because of the chemistry and the pairing. Like, I I, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things of, like, Taiji really, like, slowed this down, uh, really worked the body part. Um, and then, you know, Teton does a lot of, like, lucha things and is, like, very fast. And I'm like, man. Uh, this one is like really dragging. But first, I want to say what's up, Rev. How are you doing? Not too bad, my friend. How are you? 
I'm good, man. I'm just here talking about New Japan and, you know, still trying uh, I to. I don't know my other friend, Reezy. Yeah, Reezy's here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing, brother? As you go. Um. <laughs> yeah, he, he was he was having trouble with uh, um, coming onto the spaces, so I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I just uh, I, I just want to say I enjoy your stuff there that I've seen been able to see on Twitch and shit. Oh, thank you, man. Um, yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't used Twitch in a while. I'm on Facebook. Um, only because of. Man, I, I still feel guilty as I say this. I know that this is recorded, but uh, I, I'm on it because, like, uh, Kick does a 95-5 split. Right. So I'm like, you know, I I, I got I to gotta do what's best for me. Yeah, I, I feel so guilty. I haven't, I haven't come to terms with, like, what what's what would I stay on. Yeah. Um, but I do, like, as I have, as I have this recorded – I do appreciate everyone that has ever helped me out uh, on my Twitch. It's just that I did find a community, um, you know, of other wrestling fans uh, that's part of Twitch. So, like, you know, I've been chatting with them, talking with them, building that up, like, slowly and stuff. Um, and, you know, it's been kind of fun. And I don't get the same toxicity that I got, you know, yeah, on Twitch and... And everyone else and stuff like that. So yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, uh, I appreciate you uh, watching some of my stuff from time to time. I'm, I'm always gonna appreciate it. Team uh, Reezy, you still with us? You good? I am back. Yeah, yeah like randomly booted me out. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, yeah I'm great. I'm great. Um, one thing I do want to talk about now. Sure. Now, I, I, I <laughs> the promo. That Mike Bailey, we talked about this. Yeah. The, he, yeah. Yeah, he did it in full Japanese. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that, yeah. Because I was very respectful to the fans. Cause um yeah. Yeah, man. Um, you know, uh when the Japanese fans in uh Kirk and Hall for opening night heard him speak Japanese, you you know. Everyone was just like, oh, like, you know, a nice little awe for, for him. And then uh, when he got backstage, backstage, uh, that's when he uh, did it, you know, did it again. Um, it sounds very nice when he speaks it for some reason. Like, you know, it's it's really cool. It's really cool when, when wrestlers can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. how to branch a little bit. That's about it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, if you can, if you can wow people with a little bit of French, I think you, I think you'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, every woman I see, voulez-vous que je vous ce soir? Oh my God! <laughs> oh, I haven't changed much. I haven't changed at all. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's all good, man. It's all good. You you, you know that there are uh, good vibes here. Um, oh, yeah. All well, right. I've known you a longer than an old Reezy, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but you know me, I yeah, I with you, so it's all good. Um, I mean, if if you want to try that on somebody else, I don't know, but I'll be okay with that, <laughs> with that, with that line. <laughs> um. All right. So let me let me continue this. We're up to block B. 
we have Bushi versus El Desperado. Um, and uh, now I think I understand why I don't necessarily like, well, I can't say I don't like, it's just that Bushi is a very weird wrestler to me that like not all of his matches hit. He's very technically sound. He's really good, but not all the matches hit with me. And I'm like, oh my God, you got to check out a Bushi match. And that's not like me trying to, you know, bash him or anything. It's just that on commentary, they pointed out that Bushi sticks to, um, hold on. Okay, I was getting a feedback. Um, on commentary, they, uh, wait, can I, okay. That's what I want to do. All right, so on commentary, they basically, um, you know, mentioned that Bushi sticks to a game plan, and I think that's what it is, that even though he has a game plan, he sometimes doesn't switch it up sometimes, but in in this match, he sort of, like, switched it up. Uh, at the opening night, uh, um, Yoshinobu worked on El Desperado's knee. So in this one, by circumstance and happenstance, um, Bushi was going after Despy's knee, even though he really didn't need to do that. that um, Bushi, like I said, is, and it clicks for me now, is the type of wrestler that stays to the game plan. But this time around, despite, you know, the opening sequence of like chain wrestling, uh, shoulder blocks, drop kicks, um, Bushi was like, fuck all that. I'm going to work on El Desperado's knee just because I can. Um, and that's what he did. And Despy like fought through the pain of Bushi working on El Desperado's knee. Uh, El Desperado coming in with some chops some strikes. Um, you know, uh, uh, Desperado doing like a scoop slam to Bushi and a suplex. Uh, Des uh, Desperado dodges some stuff uh, during the match, his knee buckles as well. But, you know, even with all of that, um, Desperado reaches deep down inside and ends up doing uh, the Escalera pin uh, to Bushi. And this is how Desperado is able to get out of like really high situations um, when it comes to, I should say high stake uh, situations where it comes to like really powerful impact moves and then like I said a very simple pin any type of pin like can get the upset um, in any type of match so like roll ups any type of like cradle pin um, and the drop toho are like your best friends in professional wrestling so because Desperado was able to get out of that um, you know and maintain his knee Desperado ends up getting two points for his match um. Whew. Okay. But yeah, I, I'm glad that I finally figured out um why Bushi's wrestling doesn't really like click with me. Like his matches don't click with me. And I'm glad that like on commissary they were talking about it, and TJP was talking about it that guys stick to a game plan. And I just realized that's what Bushi does half the time. Um. Reezy, if you want to add anything onto that. Um, I don't got nothing to add um to that, but um as far as Bushi goes, uh I don't know too much about Bushi. Yeah. I don't know too much about Bushi. Um 
Bushi is a part of Naito's group, right? Yeah, he's a part of Lij. Yeah, Lij. That's what I figured. Yeah, I don't know much about Bushi, but you know, I am a fan, definitely. He he he's pretty he's pretty good. It's just that you know, it's it's Bushi. Um, Desperado is a is a stubborn, damn good of a wrestler that like really pushes people uh, to their best and really takes them to their limit. Like Desperado, like if you ever want to like study him, um, you should study. You should study him. Um, any matches that he had with like Hiromu, uh, Yoshinobu, um, well, just their yesterday's match that was like really freaking good. Um, but yeah, he's really good to study. All right, block A match. We have Doki versus Hiromu. Um, I did not know that this match was gonna happen, so I accidentally put the wrong name because I was listening to commentators and my brain was like, Oh, put this one, and I was like, Wait a minute, what? I hear Hiromu's theme song, and okay. Um, so Doki, it's a very interesting wrestler as well, too. Doki has like really good matches, and I would some some part of me is like I feel the same type of way when like I talk about Bushi. I feel like sometimes I don't do some of the Japanese wrestlers right, but I will say that Doki versus Hiromu was a very good um, match. Um, Doki has these matches where he goes like, I don't know why I want to use the phrase like balls to the wall uh, in his matches where he always has these high impact moves and he's always um, able to get somebody in the submission that he calls uh, the Doki Choki, um, you know, um, and, but he always comes up like second to last in like anything that he does. He's always the runner up and they have not given him his flowers, so to speak. You know, he's put in so much work. He has amazing matches. He takes you through a journey. This match was definitely a journey in like story and like everything, you know. Um, and then Hiromu, I, I just love Hiromu. Like, hands down, Hiromu is, you know, the guy. Um, I do feel like um, we always say this that wrestlers have like a target on their back once they like win the belt. But I think now it's come to a point where like, um, in kayfabe, because I know outside the ring, everyone respects Hiromu. Um, but like in kayfabe, I think that Hiromu is getting the short end of the stick when it comes to the respect factor, because he's champion once again, you know, um, Hiromu is the face of the super juniors. You know, I have no problem with that. Uh, Hiromu is good in everything that he does, but I do think that Hiromu is even getting exhausted and tired um, for being that face, even though, you know, he loves it. But I want to see this guy, like, um, wrestle Sonata again for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship title. Um, I want to see Hiromu go for the Never Openweight title. You know, I want to see Hiromu go for maybe the six-man or the tag. You know, uh, he can't – oh, excuse me. He can't always uh, just be – person to carry the junior division for New Japan Pro Wrestling and 
with with that being said, you know, Doki started this off with like a baseball dropkick to Hiromu. He didn't even allow Hiromu to get into the ring, take off his ring jacket, and have a normal match when the bell rang. Doki was like, nah, fuck that, Hiromu. You ain't having no time to breathe. Um, and Doki ends up doing a DDT to Hiromu, uh, like two of them, then like a neck breaker, um, goes for a cover, but Hiromu kicks out. And then Doki does this like chin lock to uh, Hiromu to basically like slow him down, hurt his neck. Because uh, if uh, if you guys are not if you guys don't follow Hiromu's career, he did have like a neck injury that needed surgery. Uh, he also uh, tore his pec muscle at one point two, needed surgery. So wrestlers do end up attacking uh, those type of injuries. Uh, we get a running dropkick by Doki. Oh no, we get a running dropkick from Hiromu by Doki. Doki kicks out of that. Hiromu tries very hard to get offense in, and he does. Uh, we get a beautiful falcon arrow, uh, that kick combination, um, and this swinging suplex that Doki does. I've never seen like a swinging suplex. Um, Doki was really pulling out like moves that I'm like, yo, you never really done this in your matches. But because it's like best of the super juniors, all these wrestlers pull out their best movesets um, during these tournaments. You may see these during like the row two stuff, but you're not really going to see it as much. So that's why I appreciate when, you know, wrestlers like Doki or like Bushi will pull out something where you're like, whoa, you guys never like really did that. And that has like my attention, like, if anybody goes back and watches this match, look out for that swinging, like, suplex move. That shit was amazing. Uh, however, Hiromu kicks out because Hiromu is, you know, he's a good boy. He doesn't he doesn't want to stay down and stuff. Um, you know, Hiromu does uh, his other move, uh, the dynamite plunger, but Doki is like, no. Um, then towards the end, we get to uh, Hiromu doing... Uh, you know, the time bomb on Doki. And the time bomb is Hiromu's finisher. And that is what ends the match to give Hiromu his two points for uh, Best of the Super Juniors. Um, that that match was really fun to watch. Uh, it really felt like, you know, like I said, Doki does all of this stuff in his career and the matches that I've watched. Um but they haven't really given him the opportunity to like shine, shine, you know? And sometimes I think it's a little bit difficult for me to really convey how good some of the Japanese wrestlers are or convey, you know, to the best of my ability that if I don't know too much of a history of Japanese wrestlers, like I don't know too much about like Doki or Bushi, but I do enjoy the matches and the journey I've seen them on since Talking about New Japan, you know, I find it a little bit hard for me to convey to the best of my ability to convince people that, you know, supporting New Japan is worth it other than, you know, the the foreigners that, that go there and have a wonderful career. Um, you know, I try my very, very best to be like, this is what this wrestler does, that wrestler does. And that's why sometimes I switch focus now when I talk about wrestling matches uh, to be like, well, this is how the match uh, felt. Um, you know, this is a different type of wrestler. This wrestler is becoming more serious than, like, the previous ones. Um, you know, to give people that sense of, like, all right, there, there is an emotional 
connection. I want to make sure that there's at least some emotional connection in these matches where I'm like, yeah, this was really good, or this was really shocking, or this was this was a surprise, or this is the one time that the wrestler got cocky because they had the upper hand, and they never really do that, but it's a human trait that these characters and these wrestlers play in these matches, and I think it's best for me to like highlight some of that stuff to give you guys like an overall view of you know this is the wrestler to watch even if I don't know like much of their history. Okay, my my throat's getting dry. It's <laughs> all uh, <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's like the one thing that I always hope is that I can convey that certain matches have like a distinct story and I could tell you a little bit of, of the story and people get like, oh, that's, you know, that's cool. That, that match sounds pretty awesome. All right. We are actually up to the the main event. It's not like last time where I was like, oh, uh, are we? But yeah, we are. Um, the main event had Block B, Master Wado versus Yo. Um, I am happy that Master Wado is getting uh, the main event treatment. Um, I do want to touch on. Ooh, I like that. Oh, I'm so excited to treat oh, you all. You're good. At first, I was like. Why you say ooh for like what happened? But go ahead, man. No, no, finish, finish. I just, I just, you, you just said a name that I really like. Oh, uh, is it Master Wado or Yo? Yo. Oh yeah. So yeah, Yo. Listen, man. Okay, before we get into this match, because I know you saw it, right? Um, I think Yo is gonna turn heel, but be that like, but not be like a full heel, but be like a. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to call it an anti-hero. But do you feel vibes of like yo turning? I feel that all the time. Okay. I feel like yo is gonna turn into not necessarily heel, but more like a careless. Like I'm kind of in between, good and bad. Yeah. Like I don't care. I'm gonna do what I want when I want to do it. Yeah. Okay. Good. Because like I was watching it and I'm like, all right. Yeah, you're definitely gonna. Yeah, you're definitely gonna turn. You know, um, especially what like TJ was, you know, analyzing and saying on commentary. Um, and then you know, with Kevin Kelly there also mentioning how like Yo, um, you know, at first thought that you know uh, he didn't want to do wrestling anymore after a certain point, but you know he came back and did it anyway. And then TJ mentioning how like it feels like it's like the fifth thing on like his his passion list. And I'm like, yeah, I've always, I've always felt that. Like, you know, I always felt that Yo never really like put it as a priority as like most other wrestlers do. But I think now, because he's teaming with Leo Rush, there is a big fucking difference from a couple years ago to now. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, this is really good. I, I'm gonna get you know behind Yo and watch his journey, watch his growth. Um, because if anybody saw this main event, like there is that careless uh, heel that's going to come out. So make sure that like, you know, you guys pay attention to this uh, before I get into um, the match. There is something specific that I want to touch on because uh, for the most part, TJP being on commentary, I was really um, agreeing with like the freaking assessments 
that this guy was like throwing out and stuff. And I agree with him about, you know, Master Wado. And I want to like expand on it from like my experience watching him and stuff. So TJP, to the best of my paraphrasing ability, even though this might be like word for word. Um, and by the way, whatever when when TJP says this, he doesn't mean it from like a bad place. He like he really cares about the wrestlers and the people that he works with. So uh, he mentioned on, and I'm quoting TJP, Masawato could be the ace of the division, meaning the junior division. Masawato has the talent, but doesn't know how doesn't know what to do with it. That is 100% accurate, and I totally agree with it. Um, and I would definitely say that watching Master Wado from a young lion graduating and going on to be his own like thing, like now he sort of gets it. Like he gets what the Master Wado is. It's, it's basically like Master Water. Um, that's why like, you know, he has like the blue hair, the blue, the blue pants. Um, and, you know, he does have a lot of talent. And sometimes when you have that talent, it's hard to go in the direction that you want to go in because everyone gives different types of advice. And then you're wondering if like, you know, you should do this or do that. Um, but I will say that watching his growth and seeing how well he progressed, Master Wado knows what he's doing. And there are times where he capitalizes on this talent that he has. And then the, the, the things that he don't capitalize on, it's fine because that could be in, you know, a safe locked away and needed until he grows again. Because, you know, he has so much talent. You can't necessarily like, for example, if you try to make a diamond out of that talent, it's going to fall apart and break because you can't keep squeezing it to make it the best and perfect version of whatever you need it to be just yet. Uh, that's why we all have like different growing stages. That's why we all had different journeys. That's why, you know, um, somebody may be further along than you are, but that doesn't mean that you should despair because of that. Like everybody grows up at a different rate. Everyone has a different way of thinking. And that's what Master Wado um, currently is in. He's in this bubble of, he has all this talent, and yes, he could be the face of the division. Does that mean right now? No, but he's definitely a competitor that you could put his face on, like, the wall if it was named, uh, you know, faces of the junior division, and his face would be there. He'll be in the conversations because this guy really took the time to invest in himself, invest in his ability and he has put on some amazing matches where i'm like yo he is growing he is learning he grew pretty fast but there are times where i'm like yeah he takes like a step back um but taking that step back doesn't necessarily mean like a very bad thing i want the world for master wado because it's somebody different there's a breath of fresh air when it comes to having more people in the junior division and, you know, as much as I love Hiromu, too, I think that once Hiromu leaves the junior division and, like, goes to heavyweight, it's going to be fine. And I say I say the, the junior division is going to be fine because, you know, we have all these new juniors in there and uh, everyone is going to uh, give each other a run for their money. Uh, but going back to TJP's point... I totally agree with it. And, um, you know, I really do see that Master Wado has all this talent. And he does. You guys can see it if you guys 
pay attention to Master Wado's uh, like career and stuff. Um, but that does not mean that he's gonna get good and perfect overnight. Um, you know, so he can definitely go at his pace that he's going now because by the end of it, oh man, he's gonna be a fucking diamond. Um, and that's me putting over Master Wado because uh, I don't know if anyone has. At first, I was just like, I don't know about this guy, but now I'm just like, yo, you have put in the work, you proved yourself. You have this talent, you know, you uh, take these, um, I don't know, we have like a diamond. I guess he, he takes these nuggets and like they're really good to look back on and be like, yeah, you grew so much. All right, into this uh, this match. Um, the crowd was definitely behind Master Wado. Um, they start out with a test of strength uh, just to see who could get like the first advantage. There's a lot of counters. Um Master Wado goes for his finisher very early, which I'm going to fuck up the name. Uh, it's like either Ven- Vendemol, something like that. Um, like, I remember saying it long ago on my podcast episodes, but I don't really get to talk about Master Wado like that, so I don't really remember the name. Um, however, Yo Yo is like, nah, you're not going to hit me with your finisher, man. So he rolls out. Uh, Yo definitely spent some time on the outside, man, because there's no guardrails um, in this uh, prefecture in uh, Nagano that they were at. Uh, Yo was like, I'm going to stand right outside, you know, um, and that sort of plays a little bit into um, manipulation is the wrong word, but like the psychology of the match, because Yo is like, hey, you could come outside well, yeah, you can come outside and, like, you know, fight me, even though it's, like, you know, outside the ring, not, like, outside, outside. Um, but, yeah, that sort of messes with Master Waddle to where Yo can definitely get the advantage, and that is what uh, happens. Um, there's this, like, cannonball off the top rope that uh, Yo did to Master Waddle, which everybody was surprised, even uh, TJP and Kevin Kelly. A nice twisting neck breaker. Uh, by Yo to Master Wado, um, and then really grounding and uh, you know, slowing down the match with a leg lock on Master Wado's head, some rope breaks. Um, now we finally get uh, Master Wado doing uh, his other fin well, same finisher, the Vendemol on Yo, but you know, Yo is like, nah, you know, more attempted pins and counters as if like these guys knew each other they might have probably wrestled like before but this one was like yeah let's see what we can do in in this one to one each other up um yo then drops uh master wado on his knee making sure that master wado's uh shoulder blades hits uh you know yo's knee uh but uh there is a kick out from that um yo does this uh Dragon screw that looked really painful on uh Master Wado because it was like an inverted uh dragon screw, and then we get uh the poison runner into a super kick into a lariat to Master Wado, and that like weakens him and sets him up for a direct drive that Yo does. That's uh his finisher, uh, and Yo pins Master Wado, and uh Yo gets the two points. For Best of the Super Junior Night uh, 2. Um, and that is the main event of um, 
best of the super juniors. Now, because I said that I was going to talk about the uh, the leaderboards and the updated leaderboards, which I do by hand because I am that crazy. Um, okay, so all together, this is this is the accumulation for um, B block for nights one and nights two, and then I'll do the, the one for for block A. Um, I want to make sure that you guys, yeah, I'm still being listened to because I'm not on the thing. Okay, so, uh, yeah, I'm still good. Okay. Um, so, as follows for the Toto, for both nights, El Desperado has two. Yo has two. Master Wado has two. Uh, Kevin Knight has zero. Yoshinobu Kanemaru has four. Bushi has zero. Robbie Eagles has four. Francesco Akira has two. Dan Maloney has two. And Clark Connors has two. That is only for block B. For block A, for the leaderboards, we are currently at, for both nights, Koshida at zero, Taguchi at zero, Leo Rush at four, Doki at two, uh, Hiromu at two, Teton at two, TJP at two, Taiji at four, Sho at zero, and Mike Bailey at four. Um, and of course, uh, for the rest of the night, um, I will be doing the same thing. I will be talking about Best of the Super Juniors. It will be recorded. Um, anybody is welcome to come chat with me to give me their thoughts about the matches. And I guess after every two nights, I'll give updated leaderboards uh, for it. Uh, looking down towards the future of the rest of the week and how it's going to play out because, um, you know, I was, I'll celebrate this a little bit later on in the day or like on Monday not, uh, or tomorrow, but uh, your girl is definitely the official commentator for Goddesses of War Wrestling event May 20th. If you guys have not purchased your tickets, please go do so at titan dash championship uh wrestling.com um and like scroll through the website and like buy some tickets it's going to be over in new jersey it's a double it's a double header so like goddesses of war is uh uh first and then we have uh tiny championship wrestling and i can't say enough about uh this promotion like i really do love this promotion and i hope that if wrestlers uh listen to the end of this uh, that you guys go and, uh, you know, try to work something out and, you know, hopefully I'll see you at an event because uh, I really do, like, appreciate both of these things. But I just want to say that it's, like, a dream and a goal come true to be a commentator and to have that much trust on me. Um, this will be my first ever commentary gig for Goddesses of War or, like, any commentary gig at all. I have a playlist on YouTube of me practicing uh commentating commentating but i haven't updated that yet uh but just the fact that um i'm given the opportunity i really fucking love it i haven't really made like too much of a like an official announcement or whatever it is i am really bad about it just because i'm like i don't know who's gonna celebrate with me and that's just me being honest like i just you know i i tell my immediate circle that it's like Yo, these are the things that are fucking happening, and I just love 
professional wrestling through and through and just want to see everyone succeed and want to even see all of my wrestling friends uh, succeed and every one of my wrestling friends are doing fantastic. Um, if anybody out there ever says that, you know, the indies are dying, the indies are not fucking dying. The indies are surviving and they're thriving. Uh, just because we don't get enough coverage on uh, Twitter uh, with the whole fucking stupid algorithm shit doesn't mean that like they're not thriving. If if you're not talking to the right people, then you're obviously going to think that it's not thriving, it's not surviving. But I can honestly tell you that like the indies are doing well. Uh, mainstream wrestling is doing well. New Japan Pro Wrestling is doing well. Like everyone is doing well. And uh, yeah, not to like just bury myself or not even bury myself, but um, I'm super excited. I hope to see you guys May 20th as I will be an official commentator on Goddesses of War Wrestling. And of course, Goddesses of War Wrestling is an all-women's promotion. Um, I do have a vlog about, you know, me going over there, um, which I might just end up putting for free on my newsletter, which you guys should be signed up to my newsletter, marieshadows.substack.com. That is an extension of this podcast. That is an extension of everything else that I do. If something doesn't get covered either here on the Twitter spaces or on um, a live stream, it will be on there. Like wrestling news, I don't really cover it, but I'm very picky about wrestling news. And all wrestling news is free. Like I don't believe in putting wrestling news behind a paywall when you could Google that shit. Um, and then I think that, you know, if it is behind a paywall, it goes through a telephone system and everyone gets that misinformation and then, um, it could never be traced back to the actual people that like it started from. Like, you know, there's not really much accountability there. So me personally, I believe that wrestling news should just be free. And that's what you'll find on my newsletter is that anything that has to be paid for will be like interviews. By the way, I just finished up my Ray Jazz interview. If you guys don't know, Ray Jazz is part of MLW and he's part of the FBI, but not that FBI, the full bloody Italians. And I had a wonderful fucking talk with him. And it's going to go up today right after I'm done with this. But um, I had a wonderful talk. It's very motivational. So if, guy, if you guys are looking for any type of motivational, like, you know, starter or anything like that, if you're, like, if you're feeling down or burnt out, like, um, come listen to the, uh, to the um, interview later. Um, and hopefully some of the stuff that, like, we talk about helps you because I've been like really thinking back about our conversation about the shit that we were talking about when it comes to like motivation and lessons, life lessons, and like how to plan out your goals from long-term to short-term and just the shit that like Ray Jazz does like on the outside of like wrestling. Um, he's a fantastic talker too. So I had a lot of fun with him, uh, not like that, interviewing, uh, you know, but I hope that you guys find some type of uh, enjoyment from this interview. Um, but yeah. Uh, I'm just going to pause for the moment. <laughs> no, nah, you're good. I enjoyed it. I mean, just, I mean, I enjoy watching all of Japan's, you know, events that they have going on. Um, Super Juniors has been pretty good. I'm really rooting for Mike Bailey to win. I think he's been the most watchable out of everybody. In my uh, opinion. My, well, uh, at least for me. Yeah, yeah. The most watchable. And I would love to see Mike Bailey win. 
But other than that, I've enjoyed Super Juniors. Um, everything's just been going. I've been so far. I've been right on the wins. I've been predicting pretty good on this one. I think the only one I got wrong was the Leo Rush. Ah, uh, okay. Um, you know, usually sometimes when I try to do predictions for for New Japan, New Japan is always like, "No, fuck you, Marie. All your predictions are wrong." And I've I've had that on like several occasions, and I'm like, ah, fuck this. I'm just gonna enjoy, you know. I'm not gonna get predictions anymore. Like I don't even tell you guys like who I'm who I'm going for in this in this competition, cause uh, cause I'm just like, nah, man. Cause you guys, cause New Japan is gonna be like, nah, fuck you. You're you think that you could get your prediction right? No. <laughs> so I'm just like, no. I'm so hurt. <laughs> um, but I think like. You and, and like maybe some other people are like on the Mike Bailey, like he's probably gonna win it. However, I will say this though in the event that Mike Bailey does not win Best of the Super Juniors because he defeated Hiromu, he does get the opportunity to face Hiromu for that belt if Hiromu continues to be champion. So there is a possibility of that. Yeah, I mean, that would be awesome. I mean, yeah, Mike Bailey, junior champ. I mean, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm just letting everybody out there know that uh, sometimes when a wrestler defeats a champion, um, there there is like that weird. It's not really weird, but like it's not like America in a way where like people go for a challenge for a belt, and then even if they beat the person, they 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 never get that opportunity. But in Japan, they make sure that. Because you defeated a like a champion champion, right? Uh, you're you're allowed to get that uh, that opportunity. It's it's given to you. Um, so so they're they're very big on like keeping honor. Japan, see wrestling. I said before, you know, many times people wrestling in Japan and wrestling in America are two different monsters. Um, yeah. Japanese. The Japanese fans have a lot more respect than American fans. I would like to say they have a lot more respect for the wrestlers and um, the business more. And they actually treat their promotions like sports. You know, they have tournaments. They, you actually earn the opportunity instead of you, instead of where in America, a person could just show up and just get a title shot. Not yeah. even had a match. You could just show up and get the title shot. So yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, because you know, sometimes like when you just scroll through Twitter, some of the you know, the takes on wrestling versus like American wrestling and Japanese wrestling, you're like, Man, I wish that, you know, they'll tune into something like this and just learn a little bit more and like, you know, uh respect it a little bit more. That's like again, one of my other like overall goals is to make sure that like wrestling is left better than like it was yesterday. Like I remember using that tagline, um, you know, uh, some, some years ago about like, I want to make sure that when I talk about wrestling, when I elevate wrestling and wrestlers, it's better than, than what it was yesterday. Um, than than not, because then what's the point of having a podcast? If all you're going to do is like shit on things for like no reason and not give any type of idea like, you know, not every idea is going to be golden, but at least if you can articulate, like, why you don't like something or why something was off, 
um, you know, then like it'll be a better listen, so to speak. And then people could be like, oh, well, then what do you think about this? Because I felt it was off too. Like, did you feel like it was off? Like when I asked you the question about yo, like, do you think that yo is going to turn heel? And you sort of confirmed like in a better way, because I couldn't, I couldn't explain it, but you were like, yeah, I think he's going to be like a careless heel. And I was like, yes, I put two and two together. Like that makes the most sense for him to do that. So that's the type of conversation that I like to always try to get with people to be like, okay, he said it better than me. That's exactly what I was thinking. I couldn't word it. But yeah, I try to push that to be like, make sure that you're at least talking about like how you view things, your opinions, um, and you know, uh your your word your worldview, because you never know when like you might have a common ground with like somebody else, if any of that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. But yeah, I'm 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 uh just thinking back to that. I am happy that you mentioned, you know, a careless heel. Uh, because I really don't think in wrestling we've had um like careless heels, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really trying to think. Like, I don't really think we had that type of character. I don't think we do, which is we're going back to yo, which I think yo is gonna become more of a yeah careless you don't know what he's gonna do next yeah because his attire has also changed too uh because ever since it's more street it's more street you know yeah it's definitely now it's more street with the whole denim and stuff uh but previous to him wearing the denim clothing uh when him and uh show broke up uh because you know um i don't know if you're too familiar with like show and yo being like rapungi 3k and like rocky was with them so like when when they broke up officially Yo was still trying to find himself, so Yo will wear these like oversized, uh, like white hoodies or like black hoodies and like uh, black shorts or white shorts, like you know, very just clean canvas type of thing. He was trying to find himself. Now he's wearing more like denim stuff, and I'm like, Yo, now you're, now you're trying to get like a personality here. Like he has the dyed black hair, uh, the denim with the with the personality, and I'm like, dude, you have come a long way, like. You know, I, I think I'm I I think that I am still thankful that Leo Rush came around and Leo was like, I'm gonna teach you some stuff, yo. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's kind of great because that cause he fits great with Leo. Yeah. And if that's the Hill Turner talking about doing, that'll be perfect. That'll be perfect for both of them. Because I'm not for sure if Leo is a heel or a face right now, but I think he's a face. But I think both of them is a heel tag team. I think Leo could actually help Yo a lot, too. And Yo could help Leo. Yo's over in Japan. But Yo could help Leo get over more in Japan. And Leo could help Yo with his heel gimmick. Because Leo's a great heel. He could help Leo with his being a heel and how to, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah promos and stuff and also help them get over mix so they can help each other and it seems like they're with their chemistry they're both um they both get it i would like to think they both get along well they, they seem do. like they work great together man i um, mean if they didn't like each other i wouldn't think japan would keep them with each other yeah 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 yeah, definitely uh gato gato would be like this was a bad idea <laughs> right. um, but uh let me see i'm trying to remember it should have been uh like Rumble, Rumble on 44th Street, uh, when they were over here in, in, in New York City, which I didn't get the chance to go. 
Um, but that pay-per-view uh, that New Japan Strong had, that's when Leo came came over to like debut and stuff, and he was Yo's uh, tag partner. And even then, I was like, yo, there is this weird chemistry between them, and like you don't get that that chemistry in the first night when you like tag with somebody and you never tag with them. So from there, I was like, yeah, they're gonna be a very good tag team. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, so like, man, um, which it was a nice, uh, yeah, I think they did like a tag team during that time. But uh, yeah, I mean, that that that's everything for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up. Um, you All know. Right. Uh, like I said, it's always nice talking with you. You're awesome. Same, man. I was going to tell you again that I appreciate you uh, being here and uh, listening to me and uh, having a wonderful conversation with me. Anytime. I'm always open for it. Of course, man. All right. Thank you. You have a uh, good one. You too. All right, guys. With that, I'm going to wrap it up. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh second part of the recording because the first one got messed up so I had to like do another one um, so if you did not hear the first 19 minutes go back and do that um, as always uh, you know it's always a great pleasure to talk about wrestling and New Japan as well um, I did mention in the previous one that I'm going to try I'm going to try for the whole entire time of um, Best of the Super Juniors to continue to do this uh, to just recap it talk about it because um, I do want people to hear my podcasting style and see what I have to offer and know that I want wrestling better than it was yesterday rather than like all the bad faith takes that you see on Twitter and or podcasting and that might put a target on my back, but it's okay. Like I'm not new to that, but you know, that's just how I feel. Like I don't want to be grouped into a uh, category of podcasters where everyone thinks we're all the same and then, you know, opportunities don't come because they're like, oh, you're a podcaster. Oh, you, you know, you're this, you're that. Like, no, I'm here to try to help out wrestling and give its credit and, like, give back to community and help out everyone and anyone in any shape, way, or form, uh, you know, to the best of my ability. Uh, so I'm going to continue to do this and also try to live stream as well. I don't know how everything is going to work, but just come along with me for the ride. Uh, I will reiterate again that May 20th, um, I am not sure what's going to be happening in terms of like this Twitter space and like talking about New Japan because <clears throat> your girl is going to be on commentary uh, for Goddesses of War Wrestling. So I have no idea what the fuck is going to happen. Um, I do know I'm that. I'm excited uh, for you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I'm I'm cheesing on, on this end, dude. I have like the biggest fucking smile. Um, you know, when when I saw when I saw like the other flyer that, that's been going around, I was like, that's me. <laughs> that's me on the flyer. Oh my god. Okay. Um, but yeah, so we'll play it by ear on the 20th. Um I just I just love talking about wrestling. So if you guys are not following me, make sure to follow me on, you know, Twitter right here at Marie underscore shadows. If you are not signed up to my wrestling newsletter, marieshadows.sellsec.com, please go do so. Eventually I'll get around to uh, dropping my discord link. Cause I keep saying it. I don't fucking do it. Um, make sure to follow me on kick.com forward slash Marie shadows. And by the way, you do get a very unfiltered, unapologetic Marie shadows. Don't think like that. Most of this is a character. Maybe like, 5% of it is a character, but I do come with honesty, respect, 
and basically wanting to see everybody grow. Um, so that's what I come with. Um, oh, yeah. And if you haven't got my uh, wrestling planner, please make sure to do so. Uh, Amazon.com forward slash author forward slash uh, Marie Shadows. Um, and that does it uh, for me. Thank you guys for listening. You have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one. Awesome. Have a good one.